You are now tuned in to Believe. Do you believe? Welcome and thank you for tapping into another episode of Untapped Keg, episode 46. One of your hosts, RJ Zimmerman, here with my brother-in-law, Monte Ball. I'm claiming him today for at least a couple hours. How you doing, big fella? I'm good, man. I'm doing well. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, things are going well. Like you said, we got our, our sports podcast, but then this one is our flagship where we get a little bit more serious. No, not a little bit. We get a lot more serious on this one, but uh, all in all, things are things are going well. Um, about yourself, man. Um, it started off a pretty good week, and then got a phone call on Thursday at work. Uh, there was an accident at work, and uh, yeah, for the first time in thirty years, um. We had a person pass away doing work, a work accident. So another guy was uh, had to get an AED put on him and med flighted down to hospital. Um, right now, he's awake, moving around on his way to making a full recovery. But uh, <clears throat> we had a line tech that passed away and didn't get to go home after he came into work one day. So... Uh, that it hit pretty hard when we heard that there was an uh, accident, and then a couple hours, about an hour later, we found out that it was a uh, it was a fatal one, and that nothing puts a damper on anything. Honestly, it puts a lot in perspective, and um, yeah, to the to my fellow line tech that passed away. Um, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure that I've met him, but I didn't know him. But, um, you know, it's, it's work that we do that I do with my coworkers every day. Um, and we know it's a dangerous job and we know the possibilities um, the reason that we have a union is because it's so dangerous and for safety reasons is why it started. Um, but it just, you know, at home, the, the kid that was in the hospital, I'm not even sure he's 30. Um, I'm not even, if he's a journeyman, he's a fresh journeyman. I think he's still an apprentice and to go through something like that, someone right next, standing right next to you who isn't going home, mm. um, you know, that. That man's family. Um, it's one of those things. Um, it on Friday, I didn't didn't do anything. Didn't feel like doing anything. I just laid around the house, and it's like <clears throat> Saturday. I perked up a little bit, but um, yeah. it puts it all in perspective on taking your time. No job is worth you not coming home period um 
yeah, it's just it's a sad day. It's a sad day <clears throat> all around. And uh, you know, when we went to Oklahoma City. There was a guy my age. He had a family, um, young family by the sounds of it, who had an accident. He got uh, he was up on a pole climbing and got shocked, and it sounded like he wasn't going to make it, but he ended up pulling through. Um, and that was really close to home as in like the same city we were working and it happened before we got there, but still it's like you look at how everything was up there and you're like, okay, I can see how this could possibly happen. He's working in a place he doesn't know. He's working on a system he doesn't know. And sometimes you get a, things get away from you, whether no matter how careful you are, just things can sometimes get away from you for that to, to happen. We, you know, got a fund together and, Donated some money to him and his family for uh, healthcare costs and everything after that. You know that also puts a puts a a little bit of a realization in your mind too of what you're doing. Um, but the conversation with uh, you know my partner get, making the phone call, like letting her know what happened and. You know, that's tough, too. I know, like, when I go in at 2 a.m., I know that she gets worried. And when I don't come home till, you know, noon the next day, she she gets a little nervous. So to just explain, I don't know. And we don't know the full details of what happened. We don't know. I, I honestly don't know, honestly, anything other than um, there was a, fatal accident at work and this is uh it's gonna be a tough time so that's you know hug the kids a little tighter yeah that's make sure i keep my uh, eyes and mind on task right that's tough man i uh i kind of to give you the floor there to, to to share that um that's tough it's tough i you know, I'm sorry, you know, obviously that you have to deal with that any other lineman, but obviously, you know, prayers, condolences to the family, um, you know, who lost, uh, you know, a brother or a cousin or a son, have you. Um, so it's, it's in that close to death, really, like you said, it puts things in perspective. Um, and I don't mean to get real grim here, but it's just, you are that close. It like just like you said, you hug your family members uh, tighter uh, more often. You tell them you love them more, just because it just really shows you how precious life is. Um, um, so I, I mean, it's 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 it's, it's difficult, man. And uh, I really, I'm really glad that you you shared it here on the podcast because many people are going through so many things, man, and. Uh, think you did a really good job of handling it obviously i knew that something was bothering you friday i knew something was bothering you um saturday and uh i think you did a really good job of sitting with it and working your way through it mentally and uh obviously expressing it here on the podcast so um yeah if you if you if i seem distant on the sports podcast that's why <laughs> uh yeah, I'm not gonna say that. Yeah, I mean, I, I could tell something was on your mind, of course. Subdued. But. Um, 
you know, it's one of those things like when I was driving home, I got a 35 minute drive home and because I've, you know, uh, what's the word, uh, kind of just, I, I've tempered down my emotions so much over the years. I try not to let them flare up as much. Um, so when it comes to crying, I don't do it often. Like it all wells up and then just, it's a damn when it happens. Uh, it's something that drives Ashley crazy. Um, like when, you know, I was really close to my grandpa when he passed, I didn't cry for three weeks till I was driving down to his funeral. Um, and she thought it was fake because of when it happened, but that's just how I am. That's how I've, I mean, that's how I'm trying to think of the word, but you know, like as growing up as as a boy and a man, we kind of try to condition ourselves, condition ourselves. That's the word I was looking for. Condition ourselves to not feel those emotions and to not let it out. That's something that I'm trying to dive into that, trying to get through to my kids um, as a father, that it's okay to cry, and I want to let them know it's okay to cry. It's not okay to throw a tantrum, and it's not okay to throw a fit, but it's okay to right. cry. When you have big emotions, let's, it's okay to cry. Let's di- let's dive into that, man. Let's dive into that, and I, I think because I think that's a beautiful topic. I really, really do because, um, you know, because we're two men, of course, who um, battled alcoholism, who will forever um, have that battle, and Bad I think I think we share. Right. And I think we share similarities with what you just stated there uh, of going throughout our lives um, while we were heavy into our alcohol use. We were so familiar and conditioned to um, sort of detach ourselves from our emotions. That emotional intelligence was something that we did not care to gain, meaning and care about you know, expressing our emotions to our guy friends <laughs> you know that was not something that we were supposed to do we're not supposed to tell our guy friends hey man i love you good to see you hey man it's been a while i haven't seen you in a while i miss you or hey man how are you doing i've been thinking about you man just want to make sure that you're okay those are some phrases that men are adolescent boys are not encouraged to share with their guy friends so i mean so my question to you man is I think this is good for our listeners. When you obviously decided to put the bottle down, obviously it wasn't a night and day where you were like, oh, oh, okay, I need to figure out how I can become more emotionally intelligent. I've more into my emotions, figure out, you know, why I was using excessively. So the question to you is what, what, when was that turn? When did you hit that, you know, that lap where you were like, okay, um, obviously I need to, dive into my heart and figure out you know, why can't I open up? Why do I suffer with becoming vulnerable? Um, so for me, I didn't know it until I went to therapy two years ago. <laughs> I didn't realize how emotionally unintelligent I was. Um, you know, I was basically happy, mad, glad, sad. That was kind of it. And then usually it was joking at my own expense and like mad. And then that was kind of it. 
That's all I ever was, or like stoic. Um, I went to one session of couples therapy when I was on autopilot that I talked about last last uh, episode, and um, in that, you know, with uh, my partner being a <clears throat> marriage and family therapist, she kind of already knew this, but I needed to hear it from somebody else because at that point, it's like. I just felt like <clears throat> I was attacked no matter what was being said. So we started talking about emotional intelligence and like trying to put words to your emotions. And I still can't do that. I haven't been able to do that. I've ne- I never developed the ability to be able to do that. Um, I'm better at naming what I'm feeling or like recognizing that it's okay to feel certain emotions. Um, I can recognize after a couple days, for example, that I'm a little bit more depressed than I normally am. Like that's, that's something that I wouldn't have been able to do, especially when I was drinking. I'd just be like, I'm going to have a little bit of a uh, captain Morgan or Kraken or, you know, Admiral Nelson or, you know, whatever, whatever <laughs> was the drink of the yeah. week, you know, <clears throat> whatever was on sale. Um, that's, that's kind of like, I honestly, uh, Ashley made me watch a video about that one that you watched, the mask we ask you live in. That's it. So like, that's when, that's when I realized what I wanted to be as a father. Um, I almost, sometimes I almost feel like it's too late for me. Like I I may not ever pick up that skill, but I'm still going to try a little bit more. I'll probably never be able to find the words to describe exactly what I'm feeling, but, um, I don't know. It's right. kind of like your palate. Like, I feel like if you have a really refined palate, you started refining it at an earlier age. That's how I kind of feel like about emotional intelligence. Like you started naming it at an earlier age. You started putting words to it at an earlier age. So it makes it easier. Does that make sense? I mean, what, when did you realize? Because you're more, you, you, un, unlike me, you got therapy right away, which was a really good thing. And then also you, um, you kind of, you inundated yourself in the field, um, which helps you explain a lot that I don't, you teach me a lot about yeah, I think, like I stuff think. that I do just because it helps me, but then you put names to it and it makes sense to me. So. Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate that. And, you know, I don't have all the answers, but I think when what you just mentioned right there where, you know, I, I hopped into therapy uh, early on, it's, it's, you know, I got to give credit to my therapist, give credit to those who, including yourself, pretty much pushed me in that direction because obviously something was wrong with me. Or I hate saying wrong. Obviously, I was dealing with, you know, some demons, um, obviously. Um, so, throughout my therapy, man, um, you know, I think my situation is, is you know, I, I obviously knew that something was bothering me. So when I went into therapy, I knew I couldn't sit there and be like, OK, you know, nothing is is different about me. Um, I obviously don't have a drinking problem. I obviously knew that I have a drinking problem and I worked my way throughout therapy to really peel back the layers to understand why I wanted to excessively drink. So I guess to answer the question of when did I kind of have that turn? It was in 2017, man, when I when I realized 
that I gave a lot of power um, to people who don't even know me at being people on social media. Um, you know, I cracked under the pressure. Everybody knows that now. I've been outspoken about that. The NFL played phenomenal in college, but once I got to the NFL, I cracked under the pressure. Um, I'll be honest, it was too much pressure for me. Um, too much social anxiety, too much. Uh, it was a lot of pressure playing side by side with Peyton Manning. I mean, that that heightened my anxiety. I mean, you're playing next to a great, so you had to be perfect. So for me, I understood that throughout my therapy. And in 2017, I really realized that you know, the social media aspect of it, Twitter, people telling me that I suck, fumble, et cetera, I gave them too much power. So I realized that with the emotional intelligence, I can't allow for anyone to make me feel a certain way. Like, you, do you know what I'm saying? This this may yeah. not yeah, I know what you're saying. make sense to some people, but like, I can't let... Well. I can't let you, RJ. I can't let you, even if you say something to me here, I can't let that impact my day. And that's and I, obviously, I understand that some people that that's easier said than done. But as long as if I'm doing the right things, I wake up during lunchtime, during dinner time, and when I go to sleep and I do the same thing the next day, I cannot allow for any outside noise to impact my emotions. You know what I'm saying? I can't allow for that to dictate how I'm going to feel about myself next day or yeah. the day after that so that is something that i kind of learned in 2017 where it's like no matter what people are gonna some people are not gonna like you no matter what the world is gonna judge you but you just got to figure out how you're just gonna keep just chipping away at it and keep moving forward and doing what you're doing so I may have not answered the question directly there because emotional intelligence just like you stated is a something that we're learning daily it's yearly a, it's kind of a spectrum right it's not yeah. like it's it's our I mean, it's not like you have it or you don't, like I kind of said, right. but it's it's a skill that you probably can develop, and I'm probably being too hard on myself, but that's what I was about to say too, is you 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 you're very hard on yourself, and that's why I was gonna say in my situation, I had to do something. My stuff was all over the news, like i and I wanted to, but I had to like I almost think at times like I you know, my stuff is, you know, hung out there to dry. I almost want to think, like, where would I be if that wasn't the case? Which I think what I, I think I still would have gone through therapy and stuff. I still would be where I'm at. But I always kind of think of that stuff. Like, if I wasn't in the public eye, I'd be so hard on myself. Uh, I think so. I think so. Sorry, man. I'm, I'm kind of no, just diarrhea in mouth right now. But it's. <laughs> no one in your family, they wouldn't let you. Right? right? Like you would still be hard on yourself. Like True. Um I like these conversations, man, because yeah. it Well, like you, you said about <laughs> letting other people like on social media have that hold on you, but other people can relate to that. Like people that don't know you, like they, they know about you and they know some stuff, <laughs> but they don't know everything, would be coworkers. That's a mm. way that people would be able to absolutely relate to that. Like I'm Yeah. I don't, I, I have isolated myself at work to the point that like, I wouldn't open up to my coworkers, I think to a fault at one point. And I don't even, I have very few people I would consider friends at work too. Um, 
you know, I would say maybe like four or five people I would consider true friends. Otherwise, you know, we're just really good acquaintances. Um, mm. And I do that because of how I've kind of been treated um, at work. So it has caused me to kind of insulate a little bit and allowed, I have allowed those people to have a lot of um, power over a, how I feel about mm. myself and B my emotions as far as uh, coming home happy or not. So like being able to recognize that as well, which I don't always recognize. I don't always recognize until, you know, uh, there's a little spat in the house or like, yeah. you know, I'm like, why, why am I so frustrated right now? Like the kids really haven't done much. Why am I frustrated? Um, stuff like that. <clears throat> so I need to get Excuse better me. at, taking that drive home to self-reflect a little bit more than what I do sometimes. So I like that. I like what you just said right there too. Cause I'm, I can relate to that. Uh, driving. Sometimes people, um, most people, you know, complain about, you know, long commutes to work from work. I think I love driving. I love the sometimes to turn the radio off or maybe even turn on your best song, your favorite song, what have you. And just, uh, almost like a meditation in the sense where it's just you and your thoughts. I really, really um, hone in on that. when I have that alone time in the car to obviously think about my schedule, think about how I'm feeling, why am I feeling a certain way? Think about what atmosphere I'm about to get into, you know, with that being wherever my destination is at Um, all the above. I think it's, we talk about emotional intelligence. Yeah. Just like you stated, there's no like, pinnacle like oh this is the most emotionally intelligent you can ever be no i think it's uh for those who may not even understand what we're talking about just start thinking about how you're feeling why are you feeling that way if you're if you wake up um sluggish if you wake up super tired maybe try to think about what time you went to sleep think about what you were looking at before you went to sleep what movie what television show etc and just like you stated some of the emotions that you're feeling when you come home from work, figure out why you're feeling that way. What conversations did you have at work? How did you feel going into work? Um, it's just a great place to start with it and uh, just keep chipping away at it because it can, it can only better you. For sure. For sure. That's, I mean, even, you know, sometimes I notice when I dream, uh, sometimes it'll, I'll wake up and it'll affect my emotions too a little bit. Um, so that's something that like later in the day, if you're really sad and you're like, why am I sad? Like nothing bad's happened today. Like maybe it was something that you dreamed the night before. Or, uh, they're, you know, we're complex, complex organisms. Human beings are. So one thing I've noticed since I quit drinking too, is I'm really empathetic. Um, I'm really empathetic. Like when, when I see people have uh, are really sad or something affects them negatively, like that instantly brings me down too because I, I just want to make them feel better. I want to do something. I don't want people to feel that way because I know what it's like to feel that way. So, um, or like if I feel somebody left out, like they feel like they're an outcast, like I will do a little bit more to make them feel like they're included in the group. So... That's that's it's something true. too that I one of the reasons I think that I would drink 
especially kind of college would be to just let go. You know, you don't have to save everybody, but I kind of like the feeling that I want to save everybody that I want to like, now that I realize that that's part of the reason, um, I want to at least try at least be there. And it makes me hate myself for when I was drunk because I didn't do that. I made people feel like crap. I made people feel left out. So. Yeah. Self-reflection is an amazing tool, man. It really is. And I think uh, people really need to, and again, this, this is going to go towards those who may not be doing it, but people need to understand that some of your worst moments in life some it honestly as cliche as it sounds your greatest lessons um because i mean what else what else can you do with that moment it's in the past you can't go back and change it not helping yourself dwelling on it so figure out the lesson it and repeat it don't repeat it figure out why what led to that worst moment in your life or worst moments in your life don't jump on that same path um, it's, it's on, honestly, it's such a great lesson for me. It's, it's toxic relationships, man. Um, yeah. Toxic relationships, which, which takes two to tango. It takes two to tango. Um, not, not the act, you know, obviously not the domestic violence situation, but just as a whole, um, it, it's, you know, it's a learning experience for me. Um, to don't hop into a relationship if uh, if you're not right in the mind, and that that was that was that was my case. Um, you know, and I'm only speaking about myself here when I say that I I was not right hopped into a relationship. So that's a learning experience for me. Make sure that I'm complete. Make sure that I'm whole. Um, <clears throat> make sure that I got all my ducks in a row before I drag somebody else in into my mess. Um. Don't be so selfish about it, which again, I'm speaking to myself on that, but I, but I hope that people can understand where I'm coming from. Um, learn from those mistakes, learn from some moments in your life that, you know, that you may be dwelling on, try to take the lesson from it. Um, and I think that that's huge for those who are in recovery, man. Huge. Don't, for people who are in recovery, don't feel like you have to do it yourself either, you know? Um, we both went to have been in therapy are going to therapy, mm. um, have gotten help. Like, you know, for me, ADHD, like, you know, you can kind of see, I don't sit still for very long. Uh, <laughs> that's just one thing. Wish I mean, that was at and least that's not my... as bad. Yeah. That's not even as bad as it's not as bad. I'm least of my worries. I can be like, <laughs> sometimes I stand up and walk around and people are like, what are you doing? I, I just got to do something. So that's, yeah, that's, that's something that you're not alone. Like, that's why we want to do this podcast to show people like you're not alone. There's different ways, there's different ways to handle being sober. There's different ways to start. There's different ways to go about it. You know, like AA is not for everybody, but AA is a wonderful tool for people, especially when it works for you. Um, You know, there's. You don't have to go to cold turkey either. Like, you know, there's different ways to do stuff. Um, 
to get, get yeah, one, through your vice. Don't feel like there's one. It's not one size fits all. It's mm. not. <clears throat> one thing I want to kind of talk about here too is because you really you touched on it, um, the whole coworker thing. But I want to mention I want to talk about families too. You know what I mean? Um, I do know that in the recovery world we have that stigma. We have that stigma, um, and those listening, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. I, RJ, obviously, I know you know. It comes to <clears throat> um, you at times may feel like the black sheep of the family because of possibly what you struggled with mentally, possibly what uh, – but substance abuse you struggle with. And I'm not saying, RJ, that that's what you're dealing with. I'm just saying you understand this topic. Um, but no, I get it. I'm, I'm the black sheep of my family. I get what you're saying. Like, man, I'm a failure. I'm an F up. Like, they should be disappointed in me. <laughs> but I it's, uh, I, it, I hear what you're saying to me directly. It's okay. Nah. And I, I'm not, no, no, I'm not calling y'all like that. It's, I know, well, but when I, I when I, I want to, I want to mention this because I know that some people, they feel that way where it's like they may be too embarrassed, feel too embarrassed to be around their family. Maybe even today during the Packers game, maybe feeling too embarrassed to be around their family because maybe something that they did last week, last month, last year, while they were under the influence and they're too embarrassed to show their faces. And I guess the beauty, the beauty about, you know, therapy and the beauty about life is you have the opportunity to talk to your family, maybe obviously some who, who do. And I think it's just putting things into perspective as to if you've learned your lesson or not. I mean, I guess I'm, I'm kind of just spitballing here, but I want for those who may feel too embarrassed to go by their family and stuff, just to just do it. Hold your chin high. Just do it. And, and maybe have a conversation with your family about where you are today or what steps you've taken to improve your life. Um, just, just just do it. It's a huge step in the recovery world, huge step on your journey, just to kind of face that barrier of embarrassment um, because it's your life, it's your life. So just just do it. Um, you know, I had a lot more to say, but I, I didn't want it to get too dark. I guess I just want to keep this positive where it's if you need any help, any advice about that stuff, please reach out to us because I know that stigma weighs heavy on some people, but there's really no right direction to go with it. Um, I just share with, with how I went with it, which was I just showed my face, just called myself out for my mistakes and said I'm not going to do it again. Um, I know that's difficult for some, but it's the route that I took um, and, it, and it has been successful um, in my in my journey. So. Figure out how you want to do it. And if you need some help from us, we'll most definitely give you a call and reach out to you. You know, that's, that's all I got right there. That's the <clears> thing <throat> about you said you don't want to go too dark, but sometimes you have to go through the darkness to get to the yeah. to the light, you know. That's I know it can it it is difficult, especially because when it's your family, sometimes they're the hardest on you. And they're the ones That's, that mean the most, like you, you, you want to make proud, but really all they want is for you to be in a good place. Like, you know, I guess 
should want. That's all they should want because they're not every family is a solid structure, right? There are broken families out there. Um, you just, you got to find your support structures, whether it be your family, whether it be some friends, whether it be the family you make. Um, but being able to identify who are going to be there for you for that support structure. That's so huge. Um, yeah, it's just so, so big. That's, it helps more than anything more than it does. And honestly, when you're, when you're in there, like the, that feeling it, it's better than, you know, any buzz that I ever had. So, um, that's just, I guess that's, like that you said. Sorry, good. No, you go ahead. No, I was I was just gonna chime in with what you said because you 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 just put everything that I just stated in one sentence, which I could have just said all of that. Um, I don't want to get too diary at the mouth here and too confusing. I think you just nailed it. Where it's just it's it's it can, it can be tough. It can be tough to face your family. Um, um, it can be tough. It but just. Uh, Figure out how you're going to do it. Figure out how you're going to do it, and and make that make that jump, make that leap. Sometimes when you just belly flop in, the pain is temporary. But man, you feel kind of good afterwards <laughs> that you conquered your fear. <laughs> Not everybody can it's, do it gracefully. I like, this, I like this conversation because it's. I think this really goes to show people that there's no exact way how to express yourself or how to say um, certain things or how to tell people how to do certain things. That's the beauty about recovery. It's uh, it's your own journey. It's your own path. You make it how you want it to be. Um, I guess, you know, you do have those tools that everybody uses. And again, back to what I stated earlier, that tool of self-reflecting tool of using your past experiences as a lesson is a huge one. And if that is something that you can share with your family, hopefully that it, they'll, Hopefully that it'll be well received, receptive to it, and and uh, believe you and trust you. Yeah. It's a remarkable journey. You really get to learn a lot about yourself, and that's that's kind of weird in a way. Well, <laughs> I mean, really, if you think about it, the way that you and I drank, the way that we used it, we were really hiding from yeah. ourselves. I mean. Yep. So, yeah, you do have to learn about yourself. You have to, you know, rip that Band-Aid off. And I know for me it was looking back, I hated the person that I was. And I was more proud of the person I was in high school than I was today, which is a really sad thing. That's, um, you know, that was back when I was 26, 27. So, 27. So that... That's what really opened my eyes. Like, I'm 27 years old. I hate myself. I was more proud of the person I was in high school. And mm-hmm. I don't, I didn't have a career at that point. I just had a job. I just was trying to make ends meet, living paycheck to paycheck, honestly. So, you know, it was like, what steps could I take to get to being proud of myself, being proud, live a life that I was proud of? live a life that I would be um, 
I would be okay bringing children into it because, you know, I did want to have kids. So, you know, that pride is such a, you know, it's a double-edged sword. So, you know, it can be, it can be, it is very good to have some pride in yourself, but it's also pride can really knock you down faster than Mm -hmm. anything else as well. So you just got to be careful with it, but also you, you have to be proud of yourself at some point, right? You do. That's, and that's why recovery journey is such a powerful thing for people. And when we do the, rally for recoveries when we have events for people who are all in recovery i think that's why there's so much energy energy in the atmosphere because and this is honestly why i love the recovery community because you don't feel judged you don't feel judged you don't have that black sheep feeling you don't have that everybody's always going to bring up your past mistake you People in recovery get it. People in recovery understand that how it is very possible for one to act uncharacteristically when they're under the influence or when they're at their bottomless pit of their, you know, substance abuse. Um, So that's just the beauty about it. And then also you're around individuals who who know that they've made mistakes in the past and they know that there was a, a drug that obviously aided that aided you know pushed them down that wrong path you're around individuals who self-reflect and are making themselves better and so that's just why i love that community so to those who may feel too shy um to hop into aa or to hop into listening sessions or to obviously once uh covid no longer becomes such a threat up into some events i i encourage you to do so because some beautiful people in the recovery community, beautiful people in every, every kind of subgroups, but recovery community, I, I early enjoy because you're around individuals who just have a greater appreciation for life. And it's a bunch of people who live in glass houses. So there are going to be no stones. Mm. Like, <laughs> I like that. I like that. I like that. Dude, we did it. We did it. Right. Like, <laughs> We ain't gonna be judging. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And 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 from my own personal experience, yeah, I mean I I, I still see stuff on Twitter about which I saw I saw last night. You know, um you know, somebody tweeted something about me and then somebody mentioned under it, Oh, I thought he's still in jail. You know, I see all that stuff all the time. And it doesn't it doesn't impact me anymore like it used to. Uh, you know, maybe somebody three years that? ago, four years ago. Mm-hmm. How about yeah. you? I mean, this person had forty. Yeah, this person had forty-three followers. Is um, that really how we're going to measure uh, people, though? Like, just because, dude? Why would people true. say something like that? Like, I'm true. just, I'm so sick of people bringing other people down. Why? Just because they feel bad about it's, themselves. Like, that's what the world. It gets me so irritated. <laughs> that's the so world, irritated. man. You want to talk about a trigger, man? <laughs> it's just, uh, it's so easy to be like. <clears throat> oh, it looks like they're getting their life turned around. That's awesome. I'm very happy for them. Like, why does somebody uh, got to have it worse than me? Like, <laughs> you know, always I want everybody, like I want everybody to be lifted up. <laughs> I want everybody to start from the same platform. You know, if, if you're happy with that platform, stay there. 
But if you want to take it further, take it further. Like, I'm so sick of this. Like, somebody's got to have it worse than me. Mm. No, you're right. You're right. But that's the downfall of being a public public figure. Now, with what I was about to say is, lost my train. Oh, so that I, I still I still get that stuff. No, no, no. You're good, man. You're good, man. Trust me. I I, I talk over you way too many times, <laughs> but um, I still get that from people on Twitter here and there. Not as common as I used to, but in the past, that used to really affect me. But throughout therapy and self reflecting, etc., it doesn't it doesn't impact my day anymore. But that's why I love the recovery community. Um, and again, I'm talking to those who may feel too shy to step into these communities. And I'm mentioning the recovery community. When I'm in that community. I know that I will not have to hear that. I know that people aren't going to look at me and be like, oh, wait, that's Monte Paulo. Oh, ooh, you know, he kind of fell off pretty hard. Or I know I'm not going to get any of that. So it's that burden, that freedom like I, like, that, that I really, really enjoy. So I'm just encouraging people to step outside of your your shell a little bit and, and go and talk to some of those who are in recovery. It's uh beautiful connection it's a rare connection so i guess you know let's let's transition a little bit let's talk about some other stuff that happened this week so it was uh mlk day this week ah, touche so Indeed um, it was martin luther king jr one of the most important figures in American history, let alone politics or civics or social studies, like dude was a giant. Mm-hmm. Um, every year when it comes around, how does it how does it make you feel? How do you you know the day the 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 events that happened the um, reflecting on such a great man? Um. Obviously, yeah, I'm a huge, you know, uh, my community, black community, brown community. Um, and obviously, like you, RJ, you're a strong white ally. Um, so the strong white ally community is it obviously loves Martin Luther King, everything that he's done for all communities. And um, obviously, yeah, it's a very special day for 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 us. Um, the one thing that I do want to touch on here is. Um, it was different this year around, um, obviously not taking any light away from what Martin Luther King has done for us. But I think this year was a really unique opportunity for us to really see how people use him on social media. Um, I think how, how people are can- contradict themselves, how hypocritical people are um, to say, OK, no, I I. I don't believe in racism, so let me just post this about Martin Luther King. But it's like, but wait, two weeks ago you just said yada yada yada, or last year you just said yada yada yada. So I mean, it's yeah. You said Black Lives to- Matter is racist. You said Black Lives Matter is a uh, you know. Yeah, and again, I don't want to get too political here oh, on this. I'm but getting I think it. That just That's me. why I brought this up because I want to go into it, right? Like I posted, I, I posted my personals, <laughs> and I had a seven minute video about this. I'm very passionate about it. I'm sorry. I, it, I want you to finish. Finish what you're going. You're good. You're good. You're good. I think it just ties in, though, just like we've been saying this entire episode, is that self-reflection that uh, 
emotional intelligence, I think social media right now is the greatest villain to or for emotional intelligence, the greatest barrier. Um, because I, you know, social media, that being Twitter, et cetera, you have the opportunity just to spill whatever, just blah, 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 blah. it's just a platform for people just to shout at each other. And I think people need to take a step back, especially those who contradicted themselves with Martin Luther King Jr. post, take a step back and self-reflect and uh, really figure out that you're on social media, just trying to please people who don't know you. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 the mixture of feelings, but again, that emotional intelligence allows for me just to deal with them inside and not to spew them out (laughs) in a, in a negative way. But long story short, MLK day is also always a beautiful day. Great time to reflect on American history our black communities, brown communities, and to see how far we've came. I mean, we've, we've, or we've come and we got a long way to go, a very, very long way to go. And I'll let you get to it because I, I know you got some nuggets to drop here. <laughs> go ahead. <sighs> All right. I grew up. So in, how was it to you? <laughs> obviously it started off like, you know, last weekend we were talking about um, who has off. So like, uh, Ashley closes the daycare. It's a, you know, it's it's a it's a major holiday in this household. It's a major holiday in your household. Um, it wasn't that way when I was growing up. I mean, we talked. It was a day of celebration, especially in school. But, um, dude, this this year really made me see how Martin Luther King Jr. has been weaponized to keep people down. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, I got so mad. I started off, it's like, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm okay reading about what my job is doing. They're actually doing some really <clears throat> good stuff around it. They're using it to promote uh, diversity, which is awesome. I'm really glad that they're trying really right. hard to promote diversity. Um, <clears throat> but it started with uh, hearing on the radio some people talk about a, uh, a quote from MLK about violence and raising a generation in violence and how that's just going to keep the cycle of violence going. And they use that quote to say that that's why black lives matter in the, in the, uh, the riots is such a, a negative. He, you know, he's basically putting down that effort before he even knew it was going to happen. But really what he's saying is the white people who promoted the violence against the black people and honestly brown people it don't it didn't matter if you went if you weren't white like the violence that was used it's just perpetuated the cycle of violence constantly 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 that's all it's been white supremacists are always violent always and um mm-hmm. when you look at it that's really what that quote was about i know that you know he was a pacifist and he was against uh Against violence of all kinds, but man, like white people, we need to take a step back. Take Martin Luther King Jr.'s name out your mouth because you don't understand (laughs) what he was trying to say with any of these quotes. You have bastardized all the quotes. You've taken them all out of context to fit your narrative. And it's just this year's the one that the the, the straw that broke camel's back. Like I finally saw, I saw all of it. Like, (laughs) All these people that have done nothing but Black Lives Matter is a terrorist movement. Black Lives Matter is racist. Black Lives Matter, all this. Like, 
Dude, Martin Luther King Jr. started the original Black Lives Matter movement. Like, how <clears throat> ridiculously, you know, ignorant are you? I know that you're ignorant and you're willfully ignorant. That's the age we live in, right? And you're scared. White people are scared. But, my goodness, this... <clears throat> I'm just... I, I got so frustrated that... uh you know, just seeing people use quotes, see people use um, bastardize what he uh, what he said, take quotes out of context, like try and use these quotes and be like, well, you know, as a white person, how have I done this stuff? It's like as a white person, you haven't you can't relate to that. <clears throat> uh, uh, you unless you're <clears throat> out there marching with Black Lives Matter. No, like, you know, and then you you look at. Um, some rich people try and use Martin Luther King Jr. quotes to say like, uh, you know, they they're in the right. Really, all it is is white people using Martin Luther King Jr. to not feel racist for the other 364 days of the year. <laughs> they want to feel good about themselves for a day. And oh, see, I can say a Martin Luther King Jr. quote like, you know, I have a dream as well. I can interact. With people like no, like dude, I don't, I don't understand where some white people come off. It's just like we need to, we need to take a step back. We need to study the man's teachings. We need to look at his real quotes and see that, like, dude. Every time we point the finger, there's three fingers pointing back at us. Every single time, we got a long ways. We got a long way to go, man. A long way to go. And I think it's, uh, you know, the, all of this that we're talking about right now ties into literally our topics. Like our topic of the day is, you know, emotional intelligence. I think it, it ties in with, you know, when you see that stuff on social media, it's, you, know, you have such a big heart. You want to, you want to, you want to school that person. You want to teach them like, no, you can't. You can't use this quote just for today, just so that you can let your friends know. And and it's, it's almost like we're, you're put in the clear of not being racist. I think that's how people are using it. And when you see that stuff, you want to you know teach them like, no, that's not what he you're taking this quote out of context, et cetera. I kind of feel like you got to can't let that stuff back your day because there's going to be ignorant people. But we're both in the ground. Gonna be ignorant people till everybody we know is in the ground. Um, and yeah, I do. I do obviously appreciate white people trying to tell their white friends, tell people about this stuff. But at the end of the day, there's so much hatred right now. So much hatred right now. I guess you just got to figure out who are the ones in your circle who you think they really want to change. That's just really what it boils down to. Who do you think has the capabilities of changing? Work on them, work with them. But those who don't, those who are spewing just right-wing extremist conspiracies, et cetera, you just got to let them come out of their own bubble. Um, and and I, I wasn't going to say it, but that is the side that it's the worst, right? But there's also <laughs> the that fake liberalism that yeah. 
I didn't even know about till uh, you know I got into an interracial relationship. Like <laughs> it I'll is super it. real. Like Madison is Madison ridiculously <laughs> fake liberal. Like, and what I mean by that is you say one thing, but when it comes time to act, you're like, oh, I don't, I don't really want to go that far. I don't, I don't know if I can do that. Right? Like, and this comes. I even notice myself kind of uh, bracing when I see people that, uh, and I'm not just talking. I'm talking mm-hmm. about. You know, even like people who look like they might be, uh, might make me feel a little bit, uh, uncomfortable. Like sometimes I'll kind of, I'm kind of shy out in the real world too. So, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean that I can't just treat people, give them a hi or whatever. Like if somebody says hi to me, I'm saying hi back. Sometimes I say hi first. Like I, I like to be pleasant. It doesn't mean that I'm nice. Mm. Yes. Knee brace radio, good call. Virtue signaling. Like, you say that you Ooh, want this thing. Knee and it's like, ap- apparently we're still on Madden instead of podcast too. And I can't figure out how to put it to podcast. So it's thanks like, for the no, heads tell, up. Though, tell knee brace. brace. Well, you could talk to him. Knee too, brace. I'm going to hit knee brace. Oh, oh, I guess he can't hear me. Knee brace. Knee brace. Um, I'll message you back. and We'll, we'll, we'll get that podcast going, man. Get that podcast going. Um, but he wants me. He wants me to hop on one of his episodes. But go ahead. One thing <laughs> about this fake liberalism thing, though, like the most liberal part of Madison is the place that Ashley and I have seen the most discrimination in Madison. Like, you know, waiter waitressing, like people following us, making sure we're paying the bill, like you know, just weird stuff, like really bad service. It took us two hours to eat one night two hours this was years ago before we even had the kids but it's like we had nothing going on so i'm like whatever it's just really bad service and then i paid the bill and i was supposed to get a five back and i got a 50 so i did the right thing and i gave the 50 back i said you're supposed to give me a five. Oh, throws the five and then walks away and is like what the heck and then ashley told me what it was and i look back and it's like yeah yeah, that is what it was. So, like, we were two people. We sat down first. The table of eight that sat behind us got their drinks first, got their food first, got everything before we did. And we were there first. In the restaurant. And In the restaurant. <laughs> you know, a lot of people said, well, you know, maybe may, maybe they were just, you know, just like, uh, you know, bigots towards everybody. It's like, no. They had brown people at that table. They had it was LGBT table Q table. Like, dude, it was because I was dating Ashley. Like, that's why. It was because we we're in an interracial relationship. That's why we saw that. Mm-hmm. But like white people also we need to stop telling people that people's actions weren't racist. Like, what do we know? We don't know. We we need to understand I- that. Other people have experiences that we don't have, and it's okay. We don't all have to have the same experiences. It's part of being a human being. Right. So when somebody says they had a racist interaction, don't try and justify the actions of the other person and say, well, they weren't trying to be racist. No, just say, that sucks. I'm sorry you had to go through that. I hope that I didn't make anybody feel like that ever. And maybe you did. Try to be better the next time. That's our phrase at the end of the show. Let's be better tomorrow than we were today. Because at least if we fail, we're trying. Just try to be better. You're not. All, we're not going to be perfect in every situation, and you know. But when we sit there and use MLK and like Nebre said, demonize 
Malcolm X. And use MLK to make ourselves feel better about the other 364 days of the year. Like, I saw people from my hometown who are super racist use MLK quotes to try to try to be like, well, you know, they wouldn't, you know, MLK would be against this action. MLK wouldn't be doing this. Like, what are you even talking about? MLK got hit, you know, beat by the cops. He got dogs set on him, fire hoses, you know, name it. It happened. Dude was assassinated. More than likely by the FBI or CIA. Yeah. Like, dude, yeah. <laughs> he is not going to be a Blue Lives Matter person. No. Blue Lives Matter is a dog whistle for being racist and making it be okay. Like, <laughs> nobody is saying police lives don't matter. So when you say blue lives don't, blue lives matter over black lives matter, you're saying that you don't believe black lives matter. I mean, period. I think that ties into. I got we fired up for this the, week. I got fired up. It's it's good, man. I think because you know what I'm trying to do is try, I'm, I want to for this all stay obviously on on topic. I think that does um, because we want obviously for our podcast we want for this recovery community be to be 100 percent inclusive. So we're almost telling people like, look, this is how our conversations are going to go. We want for our conversations to be completely. Um, discussion, open discussion, um, but we're not going to accept any bigots. We're not going to accept, um, you know, people who want to make excuses for maybe some past racist remarks or actions, etc. Um, it's not going to be acceptable at all. Um, uh, we obviously give everybody the opportunity to learn, grow, and self-reflect, but at the end of the day, you got to do that yourself. So that ties back, brings us all the way back to that emotional intelligence. It's what are you allowing inside of your energy, inside of your you know, mind, body, and soul that's, in a sense, impacting your day, impacting your relationships, impacting how your image is on social media, impacting you know, all the above? You, you really got to start thinking about that stuff. You do. Um, I think that when we look at this whole thing, from in a sense of bird's eye view, bird's nest, etc. When we step back and look at everything, we're at a very important time in history right now. We really are. And and again, politics is politics, but in a sense it's well, impacting a lot of us today. Politics <laughs> whether you know it or not, politics affects you in everything that you do. It does. <laughs> um that's why athletes are starting to discover that they need to be politically active because it's the best way to affect change um, where they grew up, where they came from, where people want to make change, right? Like I would love, like you and I were talking, if we won the lottery, what would we do with it, right? And I said that I wanted to start like a, basically a safety net program like i would like to help people out where like you know if you fall gonna be there with some basically it's basic universal income like everybody's gonna have the same starting point which is what mlk talked about with his poor people's campaign before he was assassinated mm. like he, the civil rights act passed so now it was time to get equity right because the equality happened with the Civil Rights Act, with the Voter Protection Act. So 
now it was time to get some equity, especially for poor people. And he called it the poor people's campaign because he wasn't just going to help the poor black people. Although obviously that needed to be helped, you know, but he was going to help poor white people as well. Like right now we're the richest society in the world, but we still have a third of kids growing up in poverty. You know, you you got kids that can't afford lunch. You got kids that they can't do breakfast and we got schools saying, well, if you can't afford it, you're not eating. Like really, that's what we're going to do to kids. Well, let's let's this. I, I thought about this the other day, and I think it's it's that social media aspect that I mentioned. I think growth of social media is going to essentially it could possibly, you know, it is actually happening. We're seeing a significant decline in uh, empathy, significant decline in um, sympathy, empathy. Um, people just being able to connect, personally connect with individuals because we lack, we lack conversations lack that emotional connection with people like we used to have um so i think at like when i stated that we're at a very important time right now i think people adults obviously have to really make a decision here they make a decision here of how they want their household to be how they want for their image to be on social media if they do have social media and how they want for you know their friends and 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 co-workers etc to how they want to be viewed um and and me, when I think about all of that stuff, I want for people to know about my past mistakes. Obviously, I'm not, you know, wearing it on my chest, but I want for them to see my growth. I'm there, like, okay, this individual's made a mistake and is growing, called himself out for it, and is growing and doing all that he needs to do in order to better himself. Um, I think that's what people are missing nowadays. They're not being truthful. They're not being honest. They're not. I think that's just the social media world, man. I think social media world. I think that social want, media has put to. put a spotlight on all that, right? But I think it's always existed. Yeah. That's the thing. True. So, like a lot of people buried their heads in the sand. Oh, we didn't have these race issues before social media. No, we did. We just didn't have the the <laughs> opportunity to share it. You never saw the firsthand accounts. You couldn't take people at their word, right? So now you can see the problems. Now we know that. Yes, it's like, you know, the flashlight shining in the corner of the apartment and you see the cockroaches scatter. Now you're seeing all of the, uh, you know, the cockroaches of society and what we need to do to better ourselves, to better the society. Like one thing, you know, Nibre said something very eloquently here. People act like the Civil Rights Act was the finish line when it should have been the beginning. I Mm. that's so true. And honestly, that's where white people, that's where white people come in uncomfortable with the idea of everybody being equal because it's going to mean less opportunities for, you know, I'm white, so us. Like, that's how people act. Because you're going to be acting, you know, including everybody, that means that I'm going to not be included. It's like, no, you're including everybody. Everybody has the opportunity. Everybody is finally starting at the same level. You know, you're going to have to work a little bit That's harder. What I, <clears throat> right. That's why this 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 topic is important for the work that I do, Wisconsin Voices for Recovery, because I, I work with a grant that is strictly 
for our communities of color are because obviously our, within our communities of color, we see they are disproportionately impacted by opioids, um, other drugs, and of course, alcohol. And I mean, we can get, we can dive really deep into this when we, if we, we talk about food deserts and you know, these communities don't have a whole foods, these communities, some of these communities don't even have a grocery store. I, I was going to say, even like jobs, right? Like you, if you yeah. have to travel for your jobs, we're, we talked a few weeks ago about <laughs> gatekeeping, right? Like we gatekeep everything. Like that's, that's part of the inequality. Like the good jobs are, you have to drive, you have to take the bus, you have to, you know, you have to leave your neighborhood to go to those if you're in a poor area. But if you, you know, if you're affluent, depending on your neighborhood, if you're in a white neighborhood, you don't have to travel far to get to a good job. Like, we just need to think about stuff like that. Like, people can't (laughs) afford gas. People can't afford a car. People can't afford the taxes that come with it, the registration. Like, that's something that we need to think about when we're talking about getting people equity. Also, if you've only left your neighborhood right for let's say four or five times in your life and two of those times you had a very negative experience that has to deal with like racism why would you leave your neighborhood again a lot of people in big cities don't leave their neighborhood very often white people can't wrap their heads around it because we travel all the time we go like it is it is it's no yeah. big deal to drive you know, six, seven, eight hours, do whatever we want. We've not been, I mean, just think of Native American reservations. Like, what are we doing? But, um, weird. That's weird. That's weird that that still goes on. It's today. Why why are we putting people? We're just, we're gatekeeping constantly. And until we remove the gates, people are not going to be equal. So I, I like that conversation because it, that is, that is stuff that I hear in the recovery community when I'm talking to black and brown individuals, it's, you know, some, some, some white people don't, you know, when they talk about racism, I think it's so long ago. Oh, slavery was so long. And they slavery, think it's like cut and dry, right? Yeah. Slavery as in chains was a very long time ago. But, Obviously, that's been reformed. Jim Crow era, 94 crime bill in the 80s, the crack epidemic. Let's be honest here with the crack epidemic. The entire time, the point was to disenfranchise the black communities, break up the family household. And you don't think that we're still, you know, we're, we're still impacted by that? The residual um, impacts that have been happening over the years um we're still suffering from that today within our black communities where it's like that that equity gap that knowledge because some parents grandparents are still locked up in prison from the 90s so i mean it's it's this conversation is important within the recovery communities because i just had a listening session where it's like okay how can we help out these communities how can we get more engagement lack of trust black people and brown people are pissed. I'm just going to say it, are pissed because in the 80s and the 90s, they had commercials that said, a say no. White people, they had a white woman on this commercial wearing probably a $300 blouse. 
probably a $2,000 necklace saying, just say no. As for to today, they are rolling out recovery efforts for white kids who are suffering with opioids, helping them out with their mental health, et cetera, which is all beautiful and great, but that's not the same treatment we got. Not the same treatment we got. We got, oh, exactly. It's like, oh, wait, you're caught with marijuana. Oh, we're going to put you in prison for 20 years. Like, hold up. So this all does tie into recovery. This all does tie into the the wealth gap, the education gap that I think all plays a huge factor in excessive substance abuse that we see in our communities. It does. It does. There's, there, there's no coincidence that there is a strong correlation with black and brown communities um, that are near or in towns where they don't have jobs, where it's a food desert, and why we see that they are excessively using drugs. There's, that's, there's not a, that's not a coincidence. Obviously, your wellness is a lot with your environment. Well, if my environment is a desert, that being a desert with food, a desert with jobs, a, a desert with health care, I possibly will be more susceptible to excessively using a drug. So it's all this all goes hand in hand. It really does. And I wanted to share that because. You know, some people may be like, oh, here they go getting into politics again. No, all this stuff does matter and it ties in with recovery. Trust me. So, my my rant right there. <laughs> well, I mean, <clears throat> to get I'm, I'm glad we had this discussion. Like, I really wanted to have this discussion. I'm glad we went the way that we went. Um, yeah. You know, I appreciate Knee Brace Radio also. Uh, chiming in on the uh chat, like that was awesome. Ask Nebrace. Oh, Nebrace, you got a question for us? Uh, shoot a couple questions down, we'll answer those for sure. Um, you know, I think as as white people, like it's okay to realize that these things exist. Like, I don't, yeah, I'm not a white savior, right? I'm just trying to tell white people, like, this is how it is, whether you accept it or not. And the way that we're going right now with that spotlight being shined with the generations that are coming up, right? We, um, you know, it's going to change. It's going to change. You're going to have to be okay with with change. You know, one of the only constants in life is change and trying to change society for the better. It's okay to be scared of change. It's okay to wonder what this change, how it's going to affect you. But, you know, racism isn't cut and dry. Um, the no. racial inequality is not cut and dry. A lot of factors go into why I own a house and why somebody my age who is black or brown does not. Um, yeah. It doesn't mean that I didn't work for it. It doesn't mean that I didn't, you know, work hard at my job or work hard at school or study hard. But I was given, you know, some extra rungs on the ladder to start on than people who are black and brown. So, and it's okay to understand that. Not saying that you're bad just because you're white, you know. Um, Most people don't want to admit that because by admitting that, they think that it's going to um, minimize the efforts and the work that they put into getting to where they are. Like... uh, I heard someone say, 
oh, that, you know, that's your white privilege there. Another person coming back. That's not white privilege. I worked for what I have. It's like, that's not what white privilege means, man. I'm, I <laughs> I appreciate the hard work that you do. Nobody's saying you don't work hard. That's not what white privilege means. So, you know, just the awareness, the, the education as well. So that's, yeah, we need to educate. We And that's their, that, that goes for everything. Wow. Right? We need this wealth gap needs to come closer together. There's no reason capitalism doesn't work. Hard. Capitalism by itself does not work. When you look at Europe compared to the United States, Europe has its issues, but man, their wealth gap sure ain't ain't as far and every a lot of their people are better off than what we are right now. So, all right. Let's move off of this topic and go into <laughs> something a little bit more positive. What you've been watching this week? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that conversation before I get into what you just stated or or asked, uh, I think it all ties in, man. I really do because these are all aspects of our, of today's world that can impact or is impacting someone's life. And obviously exterior forces, external forces, excuse me, um, impacting your life can obviously throw you off your path of recovery. So it would be doing a disservice not mentioning this stuff and how we're handling it. Um, so what have I been watching? Um, uh, this is embarrassing. So I've been watching Vampire Diaries. Um, <laughs> but I'm done with it. Uh, it. It got a little too cheesy for me, so I'm, but I'm but I'm finished with it. Season three. I like, eh. but. Um, other than that, I uh, know I need a new show. I've been playing a lot of uh, Warzone here lately, though. Actually, um, really playing with uh, you. Yeah, yeah. I've been you, you, you don't like that game. Uh, yo, they got some new. Uh, oh, my light just went off. They got some new uh, game modes. They got this <laughs> one game mode. It's actually not Warzone. It's uh, whatever the Cold War, whatever the Call of Duty oh, is. But they okay, got this okay. Game. Cult, got this uh, game Cold mode War. that uh, it's called prop prop mode, I think, or something like that, where you can be uh, be different props. So you can be like a chair or a bike. You get like three chances to like change your whatever. You can be a couch or a chair or a little bit box and you get to move around the map, a smaller map. Oh, there's two different teams. There's a team of obviously soldiers and there's a team of props. So if you're the props, and you guys got to run around. You got 30 seconds or 20 seconds to hide. Then obviously then the team or the soldiers, you know, they get to move and then they have to come and kill you. Um, but you get to like hide as a prop and stuff like that. So it's pretty funny because like when you're hiding, you can see your teammate hiding as like a box and they found him and you can see him just start scooting all over the place and taking off. It's uh, it's it's a pretty, pretty unique game, but it's it's different and it's funny. Honestly, man, I, I, I have to get back into more hobbies because I'll be honest with work and stuff. I've been super busy with work, super busy with school tomorrow. So I've been putting together my schedule of, of how I'm going to keep myself sane. <laughs> um, but other than that, it's been uh, it's been going well. How about yourself, man? What have you been watching? Oh, wait, real quick. I'm excited about HBO Max. They're going to start dumping some stuff on there. Um, I'm going to get myself a subscription there. Um, because I, I got to catch some of these new movies that are coming out. What have you been watching? So 
it was my second run in it, but uh, Ashley and I just finished. We just started last week, I think it was, and we just finished an anime called Demon Slayer. Um, and that that's really good. It just came to Netflix. I recommend it. It's 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 fantastic. Um, there's not very many WTF Japan moments, you know. You know what I'm talking about. Anytime anybody says that, and I I stole that from Chris Cluey on Twitter. And as, as soon as he said it, I'm like, I know exactly what he's talking about. That makes so much sense. You know when you're watching those anime and you're like, WTF, WTF Japan. So <laughs> just a difference in culture. Um, it is. It is. Yeah, I, we. The, there's very few anime that I, you know, that Ashley enjoys, but she liked that one. So, yeah, we just finished that one again. Yeah. That was my second watch through of it. It's just as good as the first. Um, I've been watching Warrior on HBO Max, and I'm on the fourth episode, and it's really, really good. It's like, uh, you know, 1870s era San Francisco. Um, and it's basically from the Chinese perspective, 1870s, 1870s, 1870s. So there's a lot of racism, right? Um, (laughs) but the, the, the thing that really, uh, the thing that I can want, I watch those shows and it's like, man, some of that stuff's still happening now. As far as the racism goes, it's like. I hate that. I hate that feeling. That's what kind of what got me going with the MLK thing. And, um, you know, a lot of what you look at with MLK, you can relate to today very easily. Uh, you take the Black Lives Matter protests and you put them in black and white. More than a few of them look like they're from the sixties. Like, come on, man. How can you not see it? So, um, sixties was a wild time. They, gosh. JFK assassination, the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, MLK assassination, uh, the moon landing, Nixon impeachment. What about Malcolm X? The moon landing, Malcolm X assassination. I mean, what wasn't happening in the 60s? And obviously, that the civil rights movement, the, like you said, the fire hose, the dogs, the the printing black bodies, not even charging them with anything. And anyways, back on the. (laughs) <laughs> back on what you've been watching. Um, um, other, otherwise, I'm trying to get... Uh, my kids are in a Ninja Turtles, which I'm very excited about. They've been in, in a Ninja Turtles since they've been born because I've been putting them on it. So It's unfortunate. I'm uh, you know watching that with them, which is a lot of fun. So, But like, I'm trying to think of other shows. Like, I, I got to get back to The Expanse. I got to finish... Um, the boys season two, I need to, uh, get mm. into WandaVision, which I haven't started yet. Um, there's a lot coming out right now that is supposed to be pretty good. Like TV shows really didn't miss a beat this year. It's movies that kind of missed the beat. Right. So hopefully those get good. Ghostbusters just got pushed back from June to November now of this year. Jeez. So I still can't get over the fact that it's 2021. Morbius, I think, right? That got... That got pushed back. That got pushed back. So I don't know why. I've been playing Mass Effect still, and I'm just the more I play it, the more I love that game. Like, dude, that's such a good sci-fi story. It's so amazing. It's you know somewhat like 
it's more of a utopian society, kind of like a Star Trek, but at the same time, they have their issues similar to what we have. Um, yeah, that's just, I really love that series. I'm excited for the remakes to come out because I miss those old characters that I connected with, but, uh, I really like what they did with Mass Effect and Dramadon. If people, you know, are into video games and those single player sci-fi, but you skipped it because of the reviews, I suggest going back and playing it because so far, so good. I've been playing a lot of Madden. I'm really starting to see why people play Madden a lot. If you really get into it and if you really start to, if you, if you really are playing it, you, you get hooked. So I've been playing a lot of Madden. Um, what else? Rocket League. Um, I haven't played Rocket League in forever. I need to play that again. So, Ooh, there was a Resident Evil showcase. Made me want to play some uh, more Resident Evil, which, um, Mm. because there's a new one coming out, and I need to play the third one anyway, because the second one was so amazing, the remake. They just remade the third one last year. Didn't play it yet. It's just sitting there. It's waiting for me. But uh, Resident Evil 8, looks it looks beautiful. I kind of want to play it. So I was like, I should play Resident Evil 7 first. And I went to, it was on sale, so I went to go see how much it was, and it said I already had it. So I'm like, when did I buy it? Well, it turns out that PlayStation Plus collection, which you get with your PS5, it's a part of that. Mm -hmm. So like the 20-some games, I think it was like 20 games I think you get for free from the PS4 on your PS5 just for buying it and having PlayStation Plus. It's a part of that. So that that was really cool to see. I was like, that is pretty amazing. That might be the first one that I play off that collection. So, but speaking of games you've been playing, how much further you get in God of War? Not, not not much further. Um, because it's, don't get me wrong. And I don't want people to think that I'm not playing it because I don't like it. I actually do like it, but I just been, so I reconnected with, uh, we never really lost touch, but I guess reconnected when, when we speak on top of the video games with a good friend of mine, um, no Sean Moreo started his Twitch account. He's been, he, uh, I was getting into it, so we've been playing a lot of. We actually played Warzone yesterday. Play obviously props. So we've been I've been playing a lot of online <clears throat> online games. Um, but when when things do slow down for me, I'll be hopping back on God of War. Um, just really right now, getting a kick out of Madden, Hockey League, and and some Warzone. Really have been getting just those three right there. I've been getting a kick out of not even haven't even really been playing any FIFA, um, which I love to play. I got to get the new one. Actually, I think you're just scared to get emotional playing God of War, and that's why you refuse to play it. So, anyways, you got yourself a big day today. Yeah, I guess we better get ready for Remember that. Huh? We we hey we spoke about emotional intelligence so I'm not hey. I'm not I'm I'm keeping my word the Packers and next don't. week I'm not talking <laughs> to you at all if this happen if what you say happens happens I'm not even gonna speak it so all right let's not speak it we're talking about the Packers for those who don't know but we we're not even gonna dive into that because that's not this podcast I think we covered some good stuff man um, definitely I think we I think I. I think uh, the topic of emotional intelligence is a very important one right now in today's our civil unrest, the civil unrest that are happening. Um, 
So make sure you guys are going to learn more about yourself, self-reflecting, um, and then share some of the tools with those closest to you. Um, where can they can do today. Where can they find oh. you, Mons? Hey, baby. Uh-oh. Got, you can hear them? Where <laughs> can they the find you, Mons? Yep. Daddy, what are you doing down here? I'm talking to Uncle. Hi, Uncle. My camera needs to focus. So, uh, why is it not focused? All right, so you can find right, us well, on yeah. tapkeg.com, on tapkeg, on Twitter, Instagram, hey, Facebook. Mommy. Shoot us a follow. YouTube. Yep. Discord channels on Tapkeg. Please join us. Let us know. You can talk to us anytime. We'll hit you up. So, you guys can follow me at Playball28 on Twitter. Same thing that RJ just said. Hit us up on any platform, questions, topics. Um, even, you know, throw your phone number at us in a private message and uh, we'll surprise you with the phone call. Um, so, thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate this stuff. It's, I think it's a great conversation to have on Sunday mornings. You know, it's just, and uh, take care of yourself. Take it away, RJ. Um, yeah, just let us know what's up, and uh, we'll get back to you. So let's try to be better tomorrow than we were today. Because at least if we failed, we tried. And uh, everybody have a good have a good week. Uh, knee brace. Thanks for hit, talking in the chat. What's up, Violets underscore TV? Silly gnome two two five. Have this too. F2 Pay R, Commander Root, A10, and another TV viewer. You guys appreciate you tuning in. Have a good week. Boom, baby. And we're off. Hey, that many people in there? Yeah. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.